Welcome to episode 554 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. But mostly video tonight. <laughs> so much video stuff. Yeah. yeah well, you know, a lot. we miss a week and stuff happens. Right. Including some bad stuff, but also some kind of good stuff. So, uh, but as usual, we start with some listener feedback and we do have one. It must have been a secret message to Richard because I didn't see this in my inbox. <laughs> and Carlton, so Carlton must not have emailed entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com or else I would have gotten it. Maybe he emailed you directly, Richard. I think he did. And he's probably not even expecting me to bring this up, but I seriously want to give listener and friend of the show, Carlton, some kudos because he responded to me after our last few episodes where we've been talking about how I've been trying to find the right gadgets, if you will, to outfit a rental home. And he was so inspired by that discussion that he wrote a blog post on his blog talking about the things that he recommends from his own experience in being a renter and knowing the technology that's available. And so he's identified a a couple of things, actually (laughs) many things in the smart home space, in the media space, in the Wi-Fi connection space, all of these different things that would really be ideal for a renter and for an owner. And there's some stuff in there that I've never heard of, including this little plaque you can put in your home that has an RFID tag in it that allows somebody basically to tap to connect to your Wi-Fi on site. It is so friggin' cool. So we will have a link to Carlton's blog post in our show notes. Please check that out. The article is called The Best Smart Home Products for Your Airbnb or Vacation Rental. Thank you, Carlton, for getting in touch with us about this. Some great, great recommendations in there. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and like this makes me want to go stay at Carlton's vacation home because he goes pretty high end here. Like his recommendation for networking gear was an Eero Mm -hmm. or... Uh, a unified dream machine like it this is not like well i'm gonna put the cheapest crap i can in here to make people right you know bare bare minimum experience this is good stuff right absolutely very good stuff and i also want to acknowledge that we've received a number of either direct messages or uh it, it replies and things like that with other recommendations. I even received something from a listener through LinkedIn, somebody that you know, who's been a guest on the show in the past, I believe. And he provided some thoughts on what he would consider setting up in a rental home. So thank you to all of you who have replied to this. Sadly, I haven't settled yet. So I still have time to consider all this. If Others want to weigh in. <laughs> oh, man. The uh, the never-ending drama of buying a house. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, uh, all of that contact information will be at the end of the show and, of course, over at thedigitalmediazone.com. So let's get into the news because there's a lot. And we're going to start with the bad news. Like, this is this is where we bust out the trumpet and play taps. Yeah. One of our favorite products. Yeah. Logitech Harmony. Rip. (laughs) (laughs) Not as in rip off the Band-Aid, but R.I.P. Rest in peace. Well, it's not that bad, actually, and that's the good news. So this is not all a bad news story. But as many people in the industry have been suspecting, Logitech was in the process of end of lifing. I think that's a verb now. You end of life something. There are hyphens in there somewhere. If we're going to be grammatically correct, wouldn't it be ending of life? Yeah, but I don't don't think you do that. But anyway, (laughs) they were ending the life of their Harmony line. And, you know, you may remember that Harmony was actually an acquisition 
that Logitech made of a Canadian company that had this clever little ingenious standalone remote that worked different from all these other products. It looked at things from an activity perspective instead of from the perspective of the devices. And it was really one of the only remotes in the DIY space that did that in its time. So they acquired this company, went through multiple revs of different versions of remotes, trying to improve on it. In my opinion, I don't really think they improved on it all that many times. I wrote many, many reviews of their many, many different iterations of the Harmony remote, many of which were terrible. And then ultimately, they ended up coming out with the Harmony 1 and the Harmony 900, which was an IR and RF version of a remote about 10 years ago that changed everything. It was kind of the perfect design for a universal remote. It did all the things that their other remotes did. It had a color screen on it and allowed you to program what appeared on that screen. It was very, very leading edge again for its time for DIY. They iterated on that. They've improved that. Some iterations have not been as good as others. And then their last version of a remote, the Harmony Express, attempted to introduce voice into the equation. And it was a disaster. I don't really know what they were thinking. It was more expensive than the sum of its parts. It got terrible reviews. We had a review copy, and I didn't speak of it well here at all when I was testing it out. And then nothing. They've done very little to improve things over the last year or two. And finally, the word came out through a support post in their support forums that they were no longer going to be making Harmony remotes anymore. They are going to continue to produce them. Uh, Sorry, they're going to continue to support them. And they are going to sell out whatever inventory exists in the channel. So you can still buy them if your local stores still have them or if you can find them online. And they plan on supporting them for the foreseeable future, including updates for new hardware and stuff. But this is the end of Harmony as really the de facto and most recommended universal remote control. And I think, Josh, I know I still use multiple Harmony remotes in my home, and I think you do too, right? That's right, yeah. And I don't remember what it's called, but you and I use the same remote. Which which one is it called? Yeah, I can never remember. I think it is (laughs) called the Harmony Smart Remote. It's the smallest one that doesn't have a screen on it. And it also doesn't do smart home stuff necessarily, but it, you can include smart home stuff in your activities. It just doesn't have yeah. smart home buttons on it. Right. So I just want to uh, fix one little thing that, or clarify one little thing that you said when you, when you talked about them still like continuing to support hardware, I think a lot of people might think you mean like the remote itself or the hub or no, what, what Richard meant there was, as new TVs and, and devices like that are built and released, they're going to add those to their device database. Like they'll still control things that don't even exist yet. Right. But also, if you buy a remote, they will honor its warranty, right? So you'll, right. you'll get a replacement or compensation for that remote within its warranty period if you buy what's in channel now. Now, What they won't do is they won't ever repair your remote. And the link that we have in our show notes for this particular story is actually from Wired Magazine, which did a fantastic review of what went wrong. Like what happened that this is where we are right now. And and one of the things that they even talk about is how really Harmony or Logitech, as it were, never really bothered to repair hardware. A lot of times people would send their remotes in and say, hey, can you fix this? And they'd send a a replacement back. And they're like, no, I want you to fix my remote. You know, kind of like it was personal to them. And no, they just, they would just throw it out and provide a new one. They never really were in that repair business. So yeah, when we, we talk about support, we're largely talking about support for new devices. And that's important because Logitech has 
what is known to be the industry's best database of control codes for AV devices in the industry, period. Right. So, you know, I, I think the thing that has me frustrated isn't the right word here. Well, no, maybe it is. I, I think the thing that has me concerned or frustrated is, A, I feel like this is a brand that Logitech has largely ignored because like Microsoft with Media Center, this is a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of their business. And it wasn't important enough for anybody important in the company to care about. And as a result, they've left us with this situation where there aren't any real other alternatives. They were kind of the brand to go to. There's Cavo. It's it's an interesting experience. It kind of tries to flip it on its head by moving the uh, discovery experience on screen. But the remote itself is very confusing and not well designed, in my opinion. There is Seven Hugs, which has this weird thing that you just point at stuff and suddenly it knows what you're pointing at. And they're available in Best Buy too, but who knows what they're doing? They were just purchased and that hasn't sold as well as people expected. So there aren't really good alternatives to this. And there are many pundits suggesting that it's because. We don't need universal remotes anymore because we have fewer devices. And folks like Seth Johnson over at Home Tech FM are suggesting that we're at input zero now. So do you need a universal remote or are we at the point where your TV and whatever it's connected to, maybe it's a dongle or whatever, it's pretty much doing everything you need nowadays. So I do think that for more and more people that's becoming a reality that you don't need uh, a universal remote because there there are i think it is more common now to only have one device hooked up to your TV and and this is the really important part that that device will work with your TV in such a way that the device's remote or your TV's remote will control each other mm-hmm. and that because that CEC. can uh, right, CEC or, you know, who knows? But but yeah, CEC is the more common solution there. And that's that's good. That's nice. But there's still, like, anybody with a game console probably has more than one device hooked to their right. TV. Right. Because even if you do, like, sure, you can use your Xbox for basically any video app that's out there, and you can use it for watching Blu-rays. But you're probably not using your Xbox that way, you know. You're you because maybe the rest of your family isn't. Like if you're a single person, then maybe you are just using a game console. But if you're a single person with a game console, I'm also betting you're a single person with multiple game consoles. In which case, you're still back at the the same situation. But we're going to talk about other other devices in this episode that do kind of put you in that situation where maybe you don't need the universal remote, but as soon as you add a second device, you need a universal remote or, you know, a lot of times if you're going to do a surround sound setup through your receiver, that's not always the case, depending on how you've got that hooked up. If you're using audio return channel, maybe you can still use your TV remote for controlling the volume and stuff like that. But yeah, and like Sharp Dress Penguin in the in the chat is saying, and, and it's no surprise to pretty much any of our listeners here, HDMI CEC is not perfect. It's never been right. perfect. It probably never will be perfect. Right. But if you end up with a decent combination, it works pretty well. Uh, yeah, like I try and use that for my Nintendo Switch. It's super unreliable. And <laughs> I just don't care because... You know the harmony turns on everything else, so it's really not that big of a deal. But yeah, I, I I think in a lot of situations, yeah, you don't you don't need a universal remote. But as soon as you add a second device, you do, or else you've got to be teaching people how to use things, and that's just not fun. And people can't right. remember how to do all those things. I think the thing that the press and that oftentimes manufacturers who have to spend R&D money on devices like this forget is that we are still within a like what is what is it standard deviation error is that the right term right yeah of being right at the fulcrum point for people having cable versus cutting cable and so 
we're 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 right at that point where about fifty percent of households with televisions that use streaming or sorry that use linear TV services in one way or another are still getting it from cable, which mm-hmm. means they're relying on a second device right there. Well, that might be the only device though, except for their TV and any services that might be built into that TV. Right. But a lot of times now, I I think that these set top boxes from your cable providers can probably control your TV. Not always, but sometimes. Well, and that's assuming that you have a newer box. I mean, one of the problems is that many of these providers milk as many years as they can out of their boxes as possible. And if you don't actively go to them, and say, hey, I want a new box, then you could still be paying your $12 a month for your HD service DVR from your provider for each one of those boxes. Right, that you've had since like 2008. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Don't do that, people. Don't do that. Go get a new new device. You're paying for it anyway. Right, Yeah. So I I have a, a potential solution here. And, okay. you know, p- people keep speculating like, well, will Logitech just sell this? And and they might not. But if they were to sell it, I'm not sure if I'd want this. But I think part of the problem with Harmony has always been the cost. The the devices up until the device that you and I bought and, and enjoy, they've always been really expensive. Like most right. people don't want to spend two or three hundred dollars on a remote control. They have a hard time justifying that. So I have the perfect, perfect solution. Okay. Wise. <laughs> that that's interesting. That's interesting. I You're I not going to like the the design of the remote. <laughs> no, I don't know about that, but more importantly after the reviews of their watch that they just put out, I don't know that I would necessarily trust them with the remote either. Yeah, they they're really up and down on their products, but but they sure know how to make an inexpensive product and yep. they are Definitely not, you know, uh, constrained to one product segment. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So if you have a Harmony remote and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do or have some ideas or have some suggestions for our listeners or what else they might consider, we would love to hear from you. We want to hear what your thoughts are on this sadly inevitable end of this kind of industry-leading brand. Yeah, for sure. All right, well. All right, Richard. Yeah. That should take us on to the next. I mean, this next topic is all about you, man. Yeah, this has my name all over it. And I did not have the opportunity today to watch the Apple event that occurred in real time because I had too much stuff going on. But when I watched it and I counted up how much money I'm going to be spending as a result of this event, <laughs> I was a little bit frustrated because I didn't realize that they were going to come out with all these cool things that I wanted. And one of them is an upgraded version of the Apple TV 4K. So they are upgrading Apple TV 4K. Finally, it's been a couple of years now with the latest of their A chips, the A A12. Actually, I don't know if this is the latest, but this is the A12 Bionic chip. And it has all of the goodness that is their silicon in their mobile devices. So it's a much faster processor than was in there before. And probably more important than anything else here, a much better and much needed new remote design. I don't know about anybody listening to my voice right now, but I can't stand the remote control that they came out with for the Apple TV 4. I think it is terrible, terrible, terrible. And they have finally listened to that feedback and come up with a design that integrates both the ability to track and have a more traditional decontroller on a more traditional looking and feeling remote control with more than just five buttons on it. So. I'm very excited about this. I think this is the best thing about it. You can actually even buy the remote control separately. Of course, 
many outlets, including 9to5Google, had to get their dig in that if you buy the remote itself, just the remote is going to cost you more than the Chromecast Google TV. But yeah. hey, you know, that's Apple, right? That's what they Yes, do. it is. Yeah. That's so, what they do. Uh, outside of the remote, is there a reason for people to upgrade? Well, uh, so there are two things that I think are really, really cool here. One is that you're going to get up to 60 frames per second streaming through AirPlay with uh, Dolby Vision quality, uh, Dolby Vision HDR. So I can't tell you what is available in 60 frames per second with Dolby Vision that you could watch on that and stream through AirPlay, but that's pretty cool capability. So I think that kind of shows the power of this. Presumably that would be more useful for gaming. Well, don't the new iPhones record in 60 frames per second with Dolby Vision? Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, uh, yes, actually. Yes. So it's your own personal recordings. Your own personal recordings. Not stuff you're going to buy, though, in all likelihood. But yeah, your own own personal recordings. So that's really cool. The other thing that it does that just blew my mind is that you can calibrate the picture that the Apple TV outputs with your iPhone. You, you literally put your iPhone up to the screen and its camera is looking at the specific pixels in that area and it will calibrate the picture for you or your space because it's the cameras are looking out in the space that you're in and the cameras are looking at the uh, pixel quality that they're seeing from your television and it calibrates it all. That's insane. I, I just, I love that. Now, of course I reached out to our friend, John, who helped me calibrate my TV to express my excitement about this, but I have not yet had an opportunity to talk with him about, about it. So I'll be curious to see what his thoughts are on just how good this might really be. Yeah, that's that, that, that calibration sounds awesome. Uh, T-Bear in the chat says it's getting HDMI 2.1, which could come in handy for future like variable refresh rate for gaming type things. Mm-hmm. Um, Wi-Fi 6. Wi-Fi 6 is a good thing to have. Uh, and then he, I guess he or she, I, I don't know the gender of T-Bear, uh, says also a thread radio, which is more for your home on show, but Project Chip? Yeah, no, exactly. That is totally making this ready as a HomeKit hub for Project Chip, for sure. Yeah. For sure. That's great. Okay, so so those are some some pretty big deals. Although T-Bear also says that the calibration is coming to the older models, too. So you don't need to just for that. That's true. That's, That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Anyway... It's the usual. It's 179 if you want the lower memory 32 gigabyte version, 199 if you want the 64 gigabit version. Um, I, I know we usually round those up. I I, I didn't because they don't at least do the 199 and 99 cents, which is just, I think, insulting. And they're going to be available in late May. And you can bet that I am going to buy one. Additionally, the older. Apple TV HD, which is formerly known as the Apple TV 4, that is now dropping in price to 150. Why would anyone not just spend 30 bucks more for the 4K? They might not have a 4K TV, so they might not see the point in investing the extra 30 bucks because oh, by the way, did I mention even that, even the Apple TV HD is 3 times the cost of the Chromecast Google TV. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So cool if you're in the Apple TV space, but you know, one of the things that I was thinking about over the last week is uh, I think that for a lot of people, they were like, well, I'm going to get an Apple TV because I've got an iPhone and then I can just cast from my phone uh, using AirPlay. But man, AirPlay's in everything now and, and AirPlay's available in other streaming devices that cost significantly less. So like an Apple TV is not required if you want to be doing AirPlay from your iPhone or your iPad to your TV. There are cheaper options for that nowadays. Okay. True. So speaking of cheaper options for things that you can hook up to your TV, Roku also had a big event in the last couple of weeks. 
and announced a few new updates. And the first one would be the Roku Express 4K. Now, this is a podcast, and I'm going to spout off a whole bunch of different product names here. And in two cases, these are products that are, it, it used to be called this, and now it's called that. And this could start to get confusing. In that case, when you're done listening, you might just want to go to the show notes over the digitalmediazone.com and click the link to the article uh, if any of this sounds uh, really interesting to you. So first up, Roku Express 4K. It's a new device, but it basically replaces the Roku Premiere, which I believe was a $50 device. The Roku Express 4K is only a $40 device. So you're getting a 4K streaming device that supports HDR10 and HDR10+, Plus, but not Dolby Vision, not Dolby Atmos, for 40 bucks. There, confusingly, is still the Roku Streaming Stick Plus, because the, the Roku Express 4K, it's not a stick. It's still got that old-style design that's like a half-circle-looking thing that you set down on your entertainment stand. I don't know why they still do this form factor, but they do. The Roku Streaming Stick Plus for $10 more has quad-band Wi-Fi instead of dual-band Wi-Fi. I have no idea if that actually matters to anybody. <laughs> but that that's your option there if or if you just really want the streaming stick option which i don't know maybe i i do so that i don't have to worry about displaying the roku express 4k somewhere but 40 bucks for a pretty good 4k device uh, that also has a voice remote that will control your tv see previous conversation about the harmony um really Pretty good price. Pretty good price indeed, I think. Anything to add on, on the Roku Express 4K? Yeah, not really. The one thing that I'm struggling with, I, I wish I could remember, you know, our uh, colleague is the wrong word, but um, journalist Jared Newman, who talks about cord cutting stuff all the time, did a review of these. And there was one of these devices that he didn't recommend. And I don't remember which one it was, but the primary reason I believe he didn't recommend it is that the remote was inferior to prior available remotes. Mm. So I'm not sure which one that is. And I feel like I'm just kind of baiting by putting that out there. But if we, if I can find it, we'll put a link in the show notes about that. Okay. Good to know. All right. Well, they do have a new remote. Apple isn't the only one selling a new remote. There's a new Roku Voice Remote Pro. Wait until we get to the price. Uh, this, again, it's a voice remote. So you can just say, hey, Roku, and tell it to turn your TV on, turn the volume up, pause your video, whatever. This one is hands-free if you want it to be. So it has a push-to-talk button if you are a little bit more privacy-conscious and don't want your remote listening to you all the time. I mean, it should just be listening to that wake phrase. But some people are concerned about those types of things. So if that's the case, I don't think you want this remote. Like, I, I don't know why you would buy this remote if you don't want it always listening, because the other remote does most of the stuff anyway. Um, one of the cool things about having it always listening is it has a lost remote finder where you can just say, hey, Roku, where's my remote? Just in your Because it's probably in your living room somewhere, right? It's probably in the couch cushions. And when you do that, it'll start making a sound so that you can find it which i think is cool yeah you just totally helped a bunch of people find their remote there yeah probably anybody who's listening to this out loud <laughs> and already has this remote now you know where it is you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> it also has personal shortcuts these are basically voice macros like you record a voice macro uh and like i think you hold the button down to record it and then whenever you push that shortcut button, it'll do the same thing without you having to say all that stuff again. That's Man, cool. I, I wish my Echo had that. Yeah, that that's a that's a really cool feature. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've always loved about the Roku remotes that this thing also has a headphone jack. If you still have wired headphones laying around, you can plug them into this remote and watch things without disturbing people near you. Nice. Here's the one thing I don't like about this remote. I don't like this trend. It is a it's got a built-in rechargeable battery. Yep. Don't don't come at me saying, "Oh, it, this is a greener solution." And you know what? It's not it's not any greener 
than me using rechargeable batteries. And rechargeable batteries tend to last longer than built-in rechargeable batteries. And I can handle recharging it whenever I want. So when the battery life only lasts two months on this thing, which I think is absurd for a remote control, then I've got to take this outdated micro USB cable and find a place to plug it in that isn't going to be inconvenient for me using the thing to control my TV. Right, because when do you find out that it needs to be charged? When you're using it. Exactly. It's dumb. I I don't like this option at all. Just let me use batteries, please. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think the problem is that for companies to get sort of certain certifications for green, um, for, you know, ecological work that they're doing or, you know, meeting certain standards, then they need to do certain things. And this is one of the things that they can do. There's no way for them to guarantee that you as a consumer are going to use rechargeable batteries in there. They could include rechargeable batteries with it and a charger. And there's a good chance that 50% or more of the customers wouldn't bother with that. They'd just swap them in with EverReadies or whatever, right? So right. I, I get why they do this, but you're right. It's I think it's far less convenient until we get to the point that every single one of these can charge on a cheap pad. And we all have cheap pads built into our like end tables next to <laughs> our sofas, then fine. But we're certainly not there yet. You know, I, I don't even like wireless charging all that much because if you have that that wireless Qi charging pad, which by the way, folks, that QI standard, it's pronounced Qi. It, it, Richard's not saying it wrong. If, <laughs> if you have one of those in in your end table or whatever, that's cool for charging your phone, but you can't really use your phone while it's sitting on one of those pads. And if I'm sitting True. on the couch, I probably want to be using my phone while it's charging. So True. That's just me. Okay, now that I'm done ranting about different charging options, let's move on to... Oh, we didn't talk about the price. Nope. The, this remote is $30. Yes, that is half the price of the Siri remote for the new Apple TV. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no... This, this is a great price. I mean, if you're buying a remote that even had the volume controls on it and voice from Roku today, I think it was $24.99. So this... Not not a big deal. Great price. I'm happy to see this. Yeah, for sure. And then the last update is uh, an update to one of their sound bars. I believe Roku has two sound bars. This is the higher end one. It used to be called the Roku Smart Soundbar, but they want to stick with this pro naming convention. So it's essentially the same bar, but it's been renamed the Roku Stream Bar Pro, same price as as the old one, one seventy nine. Available at the end of May. It does include the Roku Voice Remote, and the one thing that we're not talking about here is Roku did announce an, an operating system update. Those things just get really hard to talk about on a podcast. If you want to see <laughs> the the OS updates, go watch a YouTube video. Like it's just not. It doesn't make sense for us to try and describe an OS update. The one important thing uh, for this device, though, with that OS update is that it will support virtual surround sound. It, it's still just one bar. It doesn't give you extra speakers around your room or anything like that. It's just one bar. It simulates surround sound. Those work okay most of the time, but it's obviously no replacement for real surround sound. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for video news. So let's talk about audio. We have one audio story and we're back to Apple. And Apple has some news about podcasts. Apple talked about how they are redoing the podcast app. And the new podcast app has uh, a whole new listening experience, more information, easier to find stuff, yada, yada. They touted how they helped launch the podcast stuff. Well, Apple is finally, I think, from the perspective of creators and perhaps to the dismay of podcast listeners, introducing the ability to 
subscribe with a payment model to certain podcasts. So podcast creators now have the ability basically to create content that then would include bonus material and remove ads and stuff like that, maybe get early access to content. This is something that we're seeing with other podcast platforms with varying degrees of reception in the industry. If you look at Spotify as an example and what they've done where they actually offer exclusive content, which kind of flies in the face of what podcasting is since it's supposed to be a feed that everybody has access to. But this is similar to that in that it would give the content providers the ability to uh, potentially monetize content. Now, this answered a long, uh, maybe not that big of a surprise, but like kind of a, a, a confusing thing that I was wondering about for the last month, which is why several weeks ago, Apple moved from using the verb subscribe when you talk about what you do with a podcast that you want to listen to every time there's a new episode to follow. So you were following podcasts instead of subscribing to them. Well, that's apparently because they have reappropriated the term subscribe to mean pay. So I'm, I'm not quite sure how I feel about this. What's your thought on this, Josh? I know you don't use Apple devices to listen to podcasts, but just in general, in terms of the podcast industry, we are podcasters. I don't know that we plan on making people pay for our content, but what's your thought on this? No, but I wouldn't turn it down if people wanted to pay us for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the thing is that Apple's in a really weird space in the podcast market because while I don't have an iOS device on which to listen to podcasts, I use my Android phone for doing that. So many of the apps that people are using are still reliant on Apple's podcast library. Right. So Pocket Cast is using that, you know, that feed, if you want to call it that, to get all of this stuff. But I imagine this in-app subscription thing is really only going to work on an iOS device or an iPad right. OS device if you want to get super pedantic about those different offerings and maybe Mac OS also, I suppose. I, that's that's a huge part of the segment, a huge part of the listening segment that can't take advantage of this. So if I'm a diehard Android enthusiast and I absolutely love some podcast and they're like, well, if you want to support us, subscribe to us through the Apple podcast. Well, I can't. And, yeah. and that's where a situation like Patreon or whatever works better because it's platform independent. Right. Right. And I would think as a provider, it's going to get confusing if you now have your subscription model with Apple and then you also have your exclusive feed that you make available to Spotify. And then who knows, maybe you also have some Patreon thing going on that you're keeping track of. And those usually have exclusive feeds. So I'm not convinced that this is helping necessarily unless they can work to try and establish some sort of standard for this model. Like, is there a way that they could standardize this so that regardless of the platform that you use to consume your podcasts, that they're all using this same model and you could pay them depending on who they are. Um, through this same model to get to this exclusive content. But I don't get the feeling at all that that's what they're doing here. Do you think Apple might release Apple podcast for Android? That's an interesting question. And, you know, since we have Apple TV now on televisions, I've been wondering how long is it going to be until we get Apple music on televisions as well? Just like we have Amazon music and stuff like that. You can get an Apple music app on your Android phone. So maybe, maybe, but well, I was just going to say, is anybody going to want to use that? But then again, it's got to be better than Google podcasts because <laughs> I mean, I've used Google podcasts and I think it's terrible. Yeah. People 
most people don't complain about Apple Podcasts on their iPhone. Well, I don't know about that, but I mean, I don't. I use think it the anymore. like super hardcore people who are subscribing to dozens of sorry following dozens of shows <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably aren't using Apple Podcast. You know, the, the power users probably aren't. But I, I would bet that most people who are only following a few podcasts are probably just using Apple Podcast on on their iPhone. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's entirely possible. I mean, I I went through, um, well, too many years using it, primarily because it still integrated with most vehicle systems. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't willing to give that up. And then eventually I got to the point where, okay, well, I don't need random access to podcasts anymore. I just listen to them through playlists. So Bluetooth works fine now. Right. And I, I think for me, the only reason that you would want to keep a feature like that exclusive to their phones is if they think that that's going to be a differentiator when someone walks into Verizon to buy a new phone. Right. And I don't think anyone is like, well, I got to get an iPhone because I got to use Apple podcast. Like, <laughs> no one's thinking that, right? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So exactly. if it's not selling devices, then put it everywhere, especially now that they have another way to get revenue out of it. Although, would they, if they throw that in the Google Play Store and then you subscribe to shows, does Google get a cut of that subscription fee? That could get murky too, I suppose. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. They probably do. And they're not going to want to (laughs) share. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. But I I think it's probably likely that it comes to Android. It it just seems like it would make the most sense. All right, let's move on to some gaming news. and. Just to show that I'm fair, I'm not just an Xbox guy, I'm going to go with the PlayStation news first. So PlayStation 5 obviously released last fall at about the same time as the Xbox Series X. And while the Xbox ecosystem tends to release updates pretty much monthly, Sony doesn't do that. They they release their updates uh, less frequently and I guess tend to offer more things in one fell swoop and so they released the first major PlayStation 5 update just in the last couple of weeks and it does have some fairly important features. Now, if you're an Xbox fan, a lot of these you're going to go, "Wait, it didn't already do that?" Yeah, that is kind of the case on some of these. So, first one may be the most important one because it doesn't have a very big hard drive. It's only like 868 gigabytes, I think. They've added the ability to store games on a USB hard drive, store them. You cannot play from them. They are talking about eventually making it so that you can buy a specific type of M.2 SSD external drive and and use those and and play from those in the future. But uh, if I remember correctly, none of those are available yet. So you can grab your four terabyte USB 3 hard drive, plug it in your PlayStation 4, And if there's a game that you're not really playing much, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of re-downloading from the internet, you could copy that game off to your USB hard drive so that at least it's available faster if you want to play it again. But you're going to have to do that, you know, game hokey pokey where, okay, you're done playing Call of Duty. That's not true. No one's ever done playing Call of Duty. Some other (laughs) random single player game uh, and shuffle that off to your hard drive before you bring something from your hard drive back on to the local storage but it's an option it's important it's there uh yeah on on the xbox it's a similar situation you cannot play xbox series x games straight from an external hard drive you can play backwards compatible so like xbox one xbox 360 and original xbox games can all be played from a usb hard drive Uh, another feature they added is 120 hertz support for 1080p gaming monitors. That's important. Like, I I think they've had 120 hertz support for 4K, but not 1080p prior to this. So that's good. It's really good for the games that support 120 hertz playback, but oddly, still no variable refresh rate. So if you've got like a 144 hertz gaming monitor that does G Sync or, or FreeSync, you're out of luck. Like you're still not getting VRR. It's 
it's 60 hertz or 120 hertz, and that's it. And then to return to our common topic tonight here, HDMI link. You can set it up so that when you turn your PlayStation on, it will also turn your TV on. And when you put your uh, PlayStation into rest mode, which is the suspend, you know, essentially equivalent to turning it off, it'll turn your TV off. It's nice to have. That is CEC. Uh, Correct. Right. (laughs) So if... If it's the only device hooked up to your TV, then you're golden, I guess. I mean, you still got to figure out volume, but you probably don't have a separate PlayStation remote. Maybe you do. They've got a nice looking remote. So there's an option there. And then also you can set it up so that if you're playing a game that doesn't support HDR, it'll automatically turn off HDR. I'm going to be honest. I don't completely understand this. Like, if you're playing something that's not an HDR, why would your PlayStation be sending HDR stuff to your TV anyway? I don't know. I don't get it. But it's something that you can configure now. So that's good. So on to the Xbox story. There is a recent Xbox update that's primarily for the Xbox mobile app. If you use the Xbox mobile app, go and check out that update. It's got things like achievements in it and stuff now. I didn't even put a link to it. Just go to Xbox Wire. All of the details are there. Uh, I think the bigger Xbox news this week is that this week they enabled or or brought to us the ability to do the xCloud game streaming through Xbox Game Pass Ultimate from a browser. So if you're an iOS user, if you've got an iPad and, or an iPhone, this is the way that you do Xbox game streaming on that device or if you want to stream on a pc this will work on anything with a modern web browser edge chrome firefox it should work in all of those things probably safari too if anybody still uses that just kidding richard and (laughs) (laughs) and i i mean it's brand new it's beta it's invite only right now uh so it's not perfect yet i do not have my invitation yet so i haven't gotten a chance to try it out it sounds like the very first day which is actually today right when this first opened up there were some issues but they it started getting better throughout the day uh this does if you you know you're probably primarily going to be using an xbox controller if you're on your phone you're going to be doing that through through bluetooth if you're on a pc you could do a wired connection uh if it's a if it's a windows pc you could even use the the xbox wireless dongle which is going to give you a uh, better performance, or you could wire it with, with a micro USB cable or a USB-C cable if it's a Series X controller. Uh, but if you're playing a game that supports keyboard and mouse control, you still can't currently use the keyboard and mouse to play the game on your PC. I hope that's something they're going to change at some point in the future, because while I, I know that the the main thing that I feel like they're going for with this browser support is iOS devices and and i and iPads, but the ability to game stream from a computer is kind of awesome, and a lot of people I think tend to have wired Ethernet running to their computer, so you're going to get the best possible streaming connection that way. You don't have to worry about like, am I close enough to the five gigahertz router uh, to to get a really good experience because game streaming over a 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi connection is not good and you should not do that. So again, invitation only for right now. I imagine it won't be long before anybody can try this out if you are an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, which is 15 bucks a month. All right, well, that is it for our gaming news. I doubt Richard has anything to to say there, right? Nope. (laughs) Okay. Nothing. Nope. So we are going to move on to what's going on in our entertainment center. So, Richard, what have you been up to? Well, so as our listeners probably remember, I am in a rental home right now while I am down here. And one of the things that I've been dealing with is that this house is well-equipped with Roku TVs. And kind of new to that experience, I like the idea. I think the idea is really cool. But for me, it was not working initially because I couldn't Chromecast to it. I couldn't AirPlay to it. I didn't know what was going on. 
I have no idea why I couldn't airplay to it because many, many, many listeners, and thank you so much, reached out to say, no, no, you absolutely should be able to airplay to <laughs> your Roku TVs. And in fact, I learned that I can. So I don't know if there was just something weird as I was first using them. And maybe, I don't know, sometimes there's something weird if you're on five and they're on 2.4 or vice versa, that they don't always see each other. And who knows? I don't know what it was, but I couldn't see the Roku TVs before from my Apple devices. Now I can. So now I can AirPlay. So that's great. That's worked very well. However, that's not how I like to watch television. And I don't particularly like the Roku experience myself. So I finally gave in and I found my flashlight. And I started digging around the back of the TV mount in the living room of the house where I'm staying and found where I could plug in my own Google TV. So I did. I I have my Google TV Chromecast plugged in, and now I have access to all the stuff that I like about that. So I'm actually really happy about that. And that lets me Chromecast stuff that I can't airplay. So it all works out really well. Um. Additionally, on the hardware front, I think I mentioned a while ago that I had returned a Sonos device that I had ordered accidentally. And so I finally now put in the order for the new device that I really wanted, which was the Sonos port. That's already arrived. Well, I mean, it's at home. I'm not, but it's there and I'll hook that up when I get back. And in the meantime, I've also pre ordered the Rome, and that is the portable. Bluetooth enabled Sonos speaker that we talked about a couple of weeks ago on this show that I was very excited about. So that comes out mid-May. I should be home by the time that that is available. <laughs> I sure hope that I'm home by the time that that's available. If not, you know, Edward can play with my new speaker just while I'm here working on getting the house together. Who knows? Anyway, as far as content, lot of stuff going on. So Shameless came to an end with their series finale. I was, well, let's just say the finale was weird. Didn't live up to all of the goodness and fun of the series. Also, the season finale of Snowpiercer, and I'm all caught up on that. And that was fantastic. I love it. I can't wait until the next season. I think they did a really, really good job with that. Didn't end the way I expected it to, but I still think it was it was very well thought out. I am continuing to keep up with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I know that a lot of critics do not like this. I like it. I still enjoy it. Curious to hear what your thoughts have been on this, Josh. Up to date we on... I haven't been watching it. Oh! Oh, you didn't continue. No. Uh, Jen and I might, but uh, Eden, our, our 13-year-old, just really wasn't digging it. So hmm. we've not been watching it. I think we only watched the first episode. Interesting. Okay. Well, I've been enjoying it. I like it. And I can see how it's setting up the next movie there. So there's only six episodes. So it it should be a quick watch. The next one comes out this weekend. Then New Amsterdam. I'm up to date on that. Still loving that show. And I hope that lasts another season because I think it's been as good as ever. I've been talking about The Flash and how I've been really disappointed by The Flash. And the other night, I fell asleep while I was watching The Flash. And you know what? I just didn't care. And I didn't care so much that I didn't even bother going back to see what I missed. Instead, I went in and said, okay, this is a sign. I'm not going to watch this show anymore. So I canceled my my subscription, or sorry, my follow to (laughs) this show on my channel's DVR. It is no longer... A pass for me. I have. I, I'm. I'm done. I'm That's done. a big deal. Like you don't quit shows. No, I don't. No, I don't. Right. It got that bad. Right. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. I did go back and started re uh, not rewatching, but getting back into season two of Man in the High Castle. I kind of lost steam on that a long time ago. So uh, enjoying that. I, I'm. I'm happy that I got back to that. There was a random, unexpected episode of Mythic Quest. This is that kind of Silicon Valley-esque show on Apple TV about a game house. And I loved this show last season when it was out. 
and the new season is starting in, I think, about a week or two. So I think this was just to kind of whet everybody's appetites, but it was fun. I liked it, and I'm looking forward to the new season. Last week tonight and Real Time with Bill Maher, they're my primary news sources right now. I haven't been watching a lot of news, but I did watch the news today, and it made me cry in a wonderful way. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, I want to say good news. Like, it is... It is good news, like justice was served, but anytime someone goes to jail, that's not so great either. Right. Not not good. Um, it, we're talking about the uh, the verdict came in today for the um, killing of George Floyd, and uh, it, 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 I think it's a, a good and somber and very serious moment for our country, but it's a good way for us to move forward, I think. Right. And then finally, I uh, I watched a couple things that are not general TV normal stuff. So on YouTube, I was watching this really interesting thing where uh, earlier last year, the Hans Zimmer uh, establishment, for lack of a better term, like that business that, that supports Hans Zimmer and all his work, had a contest called Enter the World of Hans Zimmer. And they did something that I've never heard of before. They put five performances of his of, of some of his most well-known soundtrack works out available to filmmakers and said, make your own film to this recording. And if you do and you submit it, we'll make those available on our YouTube channel for everyone to see. And we'll identify a winner that gets a, reward, a cash reward. Nice. Really, really cool. I, I've never heard of anything like this before. And what an opportunity for aspiring filmmakers. And they had stuff just all over the place. Some of it was CG. Some of it was live acted. Some of it was just um, uh, landscape and drone footage. It was just, it was, it was so good. I loved it. And these are all short, I assume, like 10-ish yeah, minutes the or length something. of a performance of one of his th- so they're like maybe four or five minutes long at the most okay that's cool yeah really really cool you're gonna and, have to get a link for that because that sounds kind of awesome okay yeah i'll get that and we'll put it in the show notes and uh, also i watched the movie the current wars it was interesting i didn't necessarily this is the movie that talks about westinghouse and edison and tesla and how they were all kind of working to advance electricity in their time and the competition between them. And if what they portrayed is a true story, I didn't really know that Edison, the brilliant inventor that he was, was in fact the uh, egomaniac that he was. But it was it was interesting. It wasn't, wasn't great. It was interesting. Wasn't it Edison that electrocuted an elephant? To prove that the other guy's technology was too dangerous. In, in the movie, it was a horse, so I don't know if it was an elephant or a horse. But yes, he electrocuted an animal to demonstrate that Westinghouse's technology was dangerous. And as a result, again, according to the story told in the movie, that's how we ended up with capital punishment by electrocution. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard that aspect of that before. That's right. It's an interesting right. takeaway. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I know I said finally already, but one more thing that I have to mention because I can't believe how excited I am. It's probably this. the biggest news of the episode. I'm caught up on podcasts. It only <laughs> took me five months. <laughs> oh man, Richard, it, it, it took you five months and being alone in a rental for a month or whatever. Right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alone with my own thoughts. Nope. I got to listen to podcasts. No way. Not doing that. <laughs> cool. <sighs> All right. That was a lot. Josh, what have you been doing? Speaking well, of never being done with Call of Duty. Yeah. Yours yours was a lot. Mine is not. So, gosh, with with the home buying process and packing and everything else that's going insane in my life right now, not a ton of games or TV watching happening a little bit of Call of Duty, not even much NHL over the last week. Uh, I guess I played more the previous weekend, and it has been two weeks since we've last recorded an episode, but not a ton of gaming going on lately, just with how much is going on 
in my life. We did, we are keeping up to date, not on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, instead on the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. I love this show. Nice. It's so fun. You really need to check this out, Richard. It's so fun. It, it's funny. I hadn't noticed what you ended up naming our last episode. And as I was listening to our last episode, and you said, no, this is absolutely Hockey Cobra Cry. I'm like, <laughs> title! And I was so happy when I checked my phone and saw that, in fact, that's what you called the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's it's such a good show. It's 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 good. You need to check it out. Uh, and then I didn't, I don't think I've watched any other movies or anything like that. But this morning, Jen and I did watch a trailer and got really excited. Do you know what, it, do you want to guess what it was for? Mm-hmm. F9, Fast and the Furious 9, coming out in June. And this trailer, it's amazing. Like, they always find a way to make those movies even more ridiculous than the previous ones. And we we smiled, like, all the way through it. We loved it. And when the trailer was over, Jen said, I think we're going to have to watch, like, at least the last three movies to prepare ourselves for this one. Wow. So I think we've got a Fast and the Furious marathon. Wow. In our future, maybe after we move into the new house, I don't know. We'll see. So. Yeah, you shouldn't take that much time right now while you should be packing. Right. That process takes way longer than you think it will. Always. Don't don't. I, Always. I, I don't need your bad vibes, Richard. It's, it's gonna go great. <laughs> I am impressed that they have done as good a job as they have keeping this franchise alive um, without him. I, I didn't know if if this would survive without him, and I'm really, really glad to see that it has. Without Paul I, Walker? Yeah. 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 They, they've kept the They've kept the, the, the movies going along. Um, I mean, it's it's not the same, that's for sure. Uh, I, we, we definitely miss Paul Walker, but but they're still super entertaining and, and they've just had such a good cast over the years and it just keeps getting better. They keep bringing in more and more people to make it more and more interesting. So yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. I think it's June. It's like the middle of June coming to theaters and we're vaccinated. We are ready for this. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I I drove by a theater this weekend and I think there were like 12 cars in the parking lot. And I, for a second, just a second, thought I should see what they're playing. And then I'm like, no, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I can't do it yet. Can't do it yet. Yeah. Even if there's only like, even if there's three theaters and there's only like four other people in each of the theaters, I just, I'm not ready yet. Well, and there's nothing to watch right now. Like we're, we're going out this weekend for like our first big date in forever. And we were like, I don't know, maybe there's a movie to watch. And of the, like Toledo has three main movie theaters. Two of them are still shut down. And, mm-hmm. and the listings for the other one, we were like, I've never heard of any of these movies except for King Kong versus Godzilla or whatever, which we, which is the box office leader right now. <laughs> Cause it's the only one anyone's ever heard of. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've neither of us had ever heard of any of them, and like half of them were horror movies, which Jen yeah. is definitely not going to see a right, horror movie. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so F nine will be will be the one that gets us back into the theaters. I think so. As long right. as the stupid virus, like people keep doing what they're supposed to be doing, and enough movie theaters can be open when this is supposed to come out, then it'll probably still launch in June. Is my hope. But Top Gun yeah. isn't, right? They yeah, delayed Top, Top Gun, Gun. And, and the Bond got pushed out again. So yeah, we're looking Ooh. at, I think, fall for those now. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Yep. But, all right, well, that is going to do it for this episode. If you want to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter, at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigiMediaZone, and all sorts of other places just head on over to the website, thedigitalmediazone.com for all the show notes. We're going to have all the links to all of the stories we talked about, uh, including that cool Hans Zimmer project. 
that Richard talked about near the end of the show and that blog post from Carlton that Richard talked about at the beginning of the show uh, with, you know, some cool recommendations for things that you can put in your rental or your permanent house. Uh, And then also come back. Assuming we're (laughs) back here next week, life is insane. I'm sorry that this has been an every other week sort of thing. Maybe that won't be the case next week. Uh, But Mm. if not, we will typically be doing the show live on Twitch Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow us on Twitter to know for sure when that live show is going to be happening. Because that's going to do it for episode 554. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.